This is the Contractor's Corner podcast series from Solar Power World. Welcome to another edition of Solar Power World's monthly podcast, Contractor's Corner. I'm editor and host Kelly Pickerel, and I'd like to start us off talking a little bit about our sponsor, DuPont. For over 40 years, DuPont PV materials have delivered proven performance and lasting value. You can find more information on DuPont's involvement in the PV industry at DuPont.com. Thanks again to DuPont for sponsoring today's Contractor's Corner podcast, and let's get right into this month's edition. Well, welcome to this month's edition of Contractor's Corner. Today I'm talking with Gary Gerber. He is founder of Sunlight and Power based in Berkeley, California. So nice to have you here today, Gary. Great to be here. So tell me about Sunlight and Power. What drew you to form the solar company in 1976? Well, um, I was actually a student at UC Berkeley uh, at the time and finishing up my master's uh, program when uh, an opportunity sort of presented itself. A friend of mine had gone to work for an architectural firm that was designing solar projects and was complaining to me that nobody was out there willing to build these projects that they were designing. And um, I don't know what came over me, but at the last class I was the teaching assistant for the solar, the, the one and only solar class that was being offered at Cal. The last day of that class, um, I said to the class, uh, anybody here want to start a solar company? Raise your hand. And uh, two people actually did raise their hand, and they became two of my three partners. Uh, and we went, uh, went into business working with the help of Interactive Resources in uh, Point Richmond, California. Uh, started the company. With the, with, uh, we found one other a fellow who was an intern for Interactive Resources at the time, and he came and joined us. So there were four of us originally, and that, that was the start of the company in 1976. What kind of projects were you doing back then? I, I assume it was probably more so, solar thermal. Yes, yes. It was, it was strictly thermal. Um, because as an architectural firm, they were designing homes and designing active and passive uh, solar systems for those homes. So uh, I, as an engineer, I got involved in the design as well as uh, being the contractors. Uh, we, we, would, uh, we would build them as well. So that was exciting times and uh, really very fulfilling. And, um, but, you know, it was, there was nobody in the business at the time to speak of. So we felt very much like we were blazing trails. There, there, was, there was not really much of a market. Uh, about a year after we got started, uh, a company did start making solar collectors. But the first solar panels we built we literally built. We we I, we went out and sourced copper and copper pipe, and uh, we built the frames out of redwood and put glass in over the plates. And they look a lot like what what is being built today as solar thermal collectors, but they were totally handmade. Hmm. Did did you find back then were there a lot of people interested in solar, or were you having to kind of promote yourself as a as a company? Uh, there was interest, um, as you may recall, in 73, there was an oil crisis. And so people were were generally pretty energy aware, but they were not solar aware. We, we, were, tr- we were teaching people 
but the basic fundamentals, I remember one of the graphics we had was we had a picture of a hose out on, on a lawn, a black hose out on the lawn, and explaining, okay, the sun makes the hose hot, you run the hose and the hot water comes out the hose. You've experienced this. This is what we do, but we do it in a more controlled manner. And, and we really had to explain to people that this could actually work, that we could the, the fact that we could boil water in a solar collector was, was a total mystery to people. People just didn't even believe it. <laughs> so what's the most positive change that you've seen in the solar industry over the last 40-plus years? Well, certainly the, the, I'd say the, the level of professionalism, the, it, it's a, you know, a multibillion-dollar um, you know, global industry now where you know, back then it was a bunch of mavericks like us just trying to, to make something happen in our local areas. So uh, completely changed. Uh, thinking about going to SPI recently, how tens of thousands of people show up, many of them in business suits. There wasn't a business suit to be seen in this industry 40 years ago. So it's a little bit more, more professional, huh? <laughs> more, more professional. Um, you know, we were... We were kind of creating the rules of thumb that people are now using, and, and we've gone well beyond rules of thumb. Of course, we, we now have uh, uh, you know, uh, pro programs that can very accurately predict the performance of systems, both, both solar thermal and, uh, and PV in particular. PV is probably easier to, um, you know, to predict the performance of the system than the hot water systems. Um, but those kind of tools are available now uh, readily, and they were not available at all back then. Mm -hmm. So today with Sunlight and Power, what kind of projects are you guys working on? Are, are you doing both residential and commercial PV? Yeah, we've we stayed with the solar thermal. Uh, so about uh, 20 to 30% of our business now is still solar thermal. Uh, we're, of course, doing service as a, as a really small part of our business, but very important um, that's what keeps those solar thermal systems running, and we do have systems that we built 40 years ago that are still working. And then the rest of our, the other 70% of our business uh, is uh, is PV, uh, again both installation and service. And then uh, mostly, probably 98% of our business is now uh, commercial. Um, I would say small to medium commercial is our is our main business in PV, primarily multifamily affordable housing is, is kind of a, a specialized niche that we have, have uh, adopted. So I saw you recently hired Troy Tyler as your chief operating officer and the company is now 100% employee owned. So how will that change your individual role in the company? Yeah, well, so, so Troy came on. He's, he's terrific. I think he's going to be a great uh, a great person for that role in the company. It's going to take over, um, you know, all the operations. So a lot of the people that used to report to me will start reporting to him. Um, that'll that'll free me up a lot to be more outwardly uh, oriented. Um, my role is really to to look to the future and to look at what what the company's um, future business lines look like and and where the challenges are and opportunities and also to be more politically involved in the sense of, you know, being, I, I've been, um, 
since 2007, I've been a, a board member uh, of what used to be called CalSIA, it's now CALSA, uh, the California Solar and Storage Association. So that's the industry lobbying group. And uh, so I'm very involved in that. And of course, that's been a the 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 uh, political side of things has really driven uh, the solar industry. Um, and California in particular, I think, is, is actually, if you go back to 2000, 1998, when we first got net metering, um, that was really the beginning of the new solar era, in my opinion, in the, in the country. Uh, California has led that. And that was Calcia uh, at, the, at the forefront of, of making that happen. So, and we still have a, a role um, that's um, hugely important uh, right now, especially since the utilities uh, are really, there's sort of an existential um, uh, challenge for them uh, as to their business model. And they've kind of woken up to the fact that the solar industry is, uh, well, they perceive it at least as a challenge to that business model. And rather than change that business model and, and adapt to it, we were seeing them sort of reach out and trying to challenge the solar industry. And uh, we're in a lot of fights now with the utilities that we didn't used to be. So um, that's, that's something that I need to be engaged in. And this will free me up for that. As far as the uh, employee ownership, I have been wanting to convert this company to an ESOP for, oh gosh, over a decade uh, when I first started looking into it. And um, I was finally able about a month ago to where all the, all the pieces and parts came together and I was able to uh, finalize those documents. So we are now a 100% employee owned company. And of course that's a, that's another role uh, for Troy is to, uh, fully, uh, you know, adopt that, and and we're actually um, very interested in bringing our employees into the governance of the company as much as possible, and so that'll be a, a big role for for Troy to to manage that as well. How many employees do you have at Sunlight Power? Uh, we have about eighty at the moment. We've been we've been at or, uh, at or around seventy to eighty employees for about the last five years. It seems to be seems to be a size we're sort of settling into. <laughs> You're also a B corporation. So, what do you think that means to your customers? Well, we are a B corp. We're actually a benefit corp, which is which is in addition to being a B corp. Um, most people don't know the distinction, but uh, but we're a le legally a benefit corporation, and the state of California does have that designation legally, which means that um, the B, uh, the concept of a benefit corp or B corp is the concept of the triple bottom line: uh, people, planet, profit. Um, of course, profits matter, but uh, we we have the legal. Uh, in the in our bylaws, we are legally allowed as a company to place value on um, the benefits to uh, not only the public but to our employees, as well as to the environment itself. So obviously, our 
our business is very environmentally oriented to begin with, so that's kind of a given. The um, employee ownership really ties together with our um, the people side of the three P's. And so uh, we've been operating in, in a very B Corp-y way for many years. Uh, we actually officially became a B Corp, uh, I think in like something like 2005. We were one of the first B Corps, but we weren't on the we weren't in the charter group, but we were very early on when that was created. Uh, we became a B Corp, and then we were one of the first 15 uh, corporations in the state of California that showed up at the, the state uh, at Sacramento on the first day that the Benefit Corp uh, became a legal uh, structure, and we signed up that day, uh, along with Patagonia and, and, and others. Yeah, that's wonderful. I kind of noticed that a lot of um, B Corps within solar are also 100% employee owned. It kind of seems that they're, uh, they go hand in hand. Yeah, it, it's something that it, it, when you become a, a B Corp or Benefit Corp, you, you under, you, one of the requirements is to go through a survey and you, you'll actually learn a lot about uh, what a, a socially responsible business really means just by going through the survey and learning the types of things that give you positive points and things that lose points. <laughs> and clearly, um, having employee ownership is a big point getter in, in the um, B Corp uh, uh, ratings. Mm -hmm. You kind of already mentioned this before. I mean, your involvement with Calcia now, um, the new name. Um, California is clearly the leader in the country with solar. Do you think that state advocacy groups in other states, can, can they still make the same differences, I guess, as, as what California is doing? Oh, yeah. The, there, in fact, there's a group, uh, there's a, a kind of an ad hoc, hoc meeting of the various uh, uh, local chapters of CalCIA, um that uh, meets typically once a year and we all kind of share our stories and there are some amazingly uh, active well you know effective and active groups around the state uh, the new jersey uh, uh sia uh chapter for example is is a very strong active group uh, the new york group um many of them are uh, uh, Hawaii is another good example Hawaii is actually probably the the leading example in in the states of where solar is heading <laughs> you know they they've gotten there long before uh, the rest of the states and what they're going through is being watched carefully and what they're what they're see a a chapter is is doing is also uh, being shared among the the various CIA chapters. So uh, I think we were definitely there first, but I, I think that um, I mean other other state chapters have had to deal with really horrible uh, behavior on the part of the states and the utilities that we fortunately in California have not seen. Um, the sort of level of attacks to the industry that some of the other states have seen. Mm 
So we have things to learn from them as well. Okay. So since you are in a state that's kind of more familiar with the solar conversation, what's the next obstacle to tackle? What are, what are you looking into the future for? Is, is it energy storage? Is, is that being asked about more? Yeah, I think that, that, I mean, and this is why CalSIA changed our name to CALSA, California Solar and Storage Association. Um, storage is absolutely an essential element uh, to the, the solar picture. Uh, if we're going to ever get to the point of offsetting baseload power, uh, we have to be able to store the power that we produce and make it available um, when it needs to be made available. So I do think that, that storage is a major, you know, is where we're really going to be spending a lot of our time and energy um, going forward. I also think that just the general decarbonization, uh, solar is absolutely essential to decarbonization. And uh, there are separate groups that are working on that. Uh, all of it, in my view, has to be tied together with with uh, global warming as the the key issue. Um, but uh, I, I think that electrification, um, what they call fuel switching, getting rid of fossil fuels completely, um, solar has a big role, but it has to be enabled by things like heat pumps, for example, as a technology, uh, heat pump water heaters. Uh, need to be adopted in order to utilize the electricity that's being efficiently produced by solar systems uh, in order to eliminate fossil fuels from heating and, and hot water production. Um, so pretty much anything that uh, aims us towards electrification uh, as well as uh, of course, any improvements that we can see in the solar hot water world, um, we're not really doing much in the residential side because, quite frankly, uh, for solar hot water now, um, most homes uh, will benefit from, and in my view, every home that has a, a roof that can handle it or, or a yard should have a solar system. And if they do, uh, they can slightly upsize that solar system, that solar PV system, and then uh, put in a solar um, a heat pump, a, a heat pump water heater, and uh, take care of their hot water needs that way. It's actually a more, ultimately, it's a more efficient way than the straight hot, uh, individual residential hot water systems. I hate to say that because that's where I started my business, but we have to be realistic. However, on a larger scale, um, centralized uh, solar hot water, water still makes sense in multifamily projects and such and we're still doing we we are doing those and those are those are working out very nicely so that's the direction we've gone on our solar thermal yeah do you think since pv is so dominant are we ignoring solar thermal systems and and technology advances in in those areas or has it kind of leveled off that it's as technology advanced as as it could possibly be solar thermal <laughs> Yeah, yeah, great question. I, I think that's exactly right. I, I, you know, when I look at the solar water heaters, uh, the collectors that are being produced today, uh, and I look back at what what I built 
you know, in the in the back of our shop, made out of you know wood and glass. Uh, they're very similar. It, it really hasn't changed in any substantial way, uh, and the efficiencies are still sitting at the uh, collector efficiency of seventy to eighty percent. It's it's you know it, it, you're once you get up close to a hundred percent, you're not going to you, you know things efficiency improvements slow down a lot when you start pushing against the max. And so we've been pushing that max for a long time. And uh, so I think that, that uh, I think that we just need to face reality that, that the economics are going to be what dictate whether you go with a solar water heating system or a um, heat pump water heater. And uh, like I said earlier, there's, there are economic, uh, economically sensible ways for both of those to to play in a, in a in a project, and quite frankly, the large scale heat pump water heaters are really not yet uh, you know on the market in a big way. So this is why the you know the multifamily projects that we build uh, for hot water are solar thermal, um, and I think that the, the economies of scale work out better with solar thermal systems when you go to the larger systems like that. So I do think there's a place uh, for both still, and um, we're going to continue to install solar hot water systems where they make sense. Mm -hmm. Okay. So why do you enjoy being part of the solar industry? What's kept you around for, for 40 years? 42 now, by the way, <laughs> um, as a matter of fact. Um, yeah, it, it, you know, it keeps me uh, getting up in the morning and enjoying, you know, looking forward to going to work. What, what I do, I think, is being part of the solution to a, some very serious problems we have. And, you know, I like to say, you know, people would rather be part of the solution than part of the problem. And uh, that... Uh, satisfaction that I get from from doing what I love to do and doing something that's meaningful. Uh, I tell you, the people that come to work for us, uh, we're very selective about the people that work here. They're very dedicated to, to solar as well. And there's a, you know, there's a sense of common purpose and camaraderie here that's, uh, I mean, this is the only bit, you think about it, this is the only business that I, environment I've ever actually worked in, right? I was you know, the job I had before this was I was a teaching assistant at, at a college. And, and you know, I, I worked part-time in the chem lab for a while. And, you know, those are those, that's my professional career is that plus this. So what I see, though, and what I hear from, from people that come to work for us is that things are really different here. And I think a lot of it has to do – I do think we create a, a really great um, – work culture here, but I think also just the, the fact that the type of work we do is so self-satisfying that, that it just lends itself to for people to really love working here. Yeah. What do you think, what is sunlight and power? What do you guys want to accomplish in the next few years? Well, I think that, that you know, I've never been one to, to want to grow my business for growth's sake. Um, so that's one reason that's that we only have a single location. Um, we do work all throughout California, but you know, there's plenty of, of good 
solar contractors all around the state. I don't feel compelled for us to go in and muscle our way into someone else's territory if they're handling the business. Um, uh, so uh, growth is not our target. It, growth in our in our target markets, you know, is what we are interested in. We definitely want to continue to grow our business in the multifamily affordable housing side of things. We want to make sure that as many people of the of lower income uh, are able to take advantage of solar, that that's very much in line with our benefit corp uh, mission. And so that's one of the things we're definitely going to be doing. We're also going to be uh, utilizing our engineering expertise here. We have uh, an engineering department that's pretty significant for company of this size that's essentially a solar contracting firm, we, we have about 10 people in our engineering department, uh, and we have our own little mini R&D department as well. Um, and so we're, we're looking at ways to expand our uh, contributions to the, again, to the decarbonization. So looking at heat pump water heaters and heat pumps in general, um, We've stayed kind of stayed out of storage, uh, PV storage, battery storage, in this recent cycle. Keeping in mind that that the very first solar electric systems we ever built, they all had storage. Back in 2000, the only inverters that were even available for us to use required a battery storage system. So we we started our P, the PV side of our business uh, with storage, off-grid systems primarily. So we're quite familiar with storage, and yet the new storage systems now we ha that we have with lithium-ion batteries and a whole different s a set of controls that they require, and all of the um, the issues that have come up with the utilities, that um, the utilities are, are really doing a great job of standing in the way of storage, uh, we've decided to sort of stand back and let those things settle out before we subject our customers to the the morass of rules and regulations that are being thrown at, at uh, interconnection. I think that's going to be settled out soon. So we're just, we're starting to install systems which are basically storage ready, um, but we're really not promoting storage to our customers yet. But as I say, I think that'll happen in probably perhaps in the next six months to a year that we'll we'll start to see that settling out. So we'll be we'll be going more into into that as well. And we're looking at other other areas of, of business that are related to to um, reducing climate change that are compatible with with our core solar business as well. So you know, creating more legs to stand on for the business to create more st stability to keep this company going another 42 years and beyond. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I look forward to to watching you guys over the, the next few decades for sure. Um, thanks for talking with me today, Gary. I really appreciate it. I very much enjoyed it. Thanks a lot. This has been another edition of Contractor's Corner. Join us each month as editor Kelly Pickerel chats with solar installers across the country. Thanks for listening to the Solar Power World podcast. Visit us online to hear more great podcasts, 
view industry videos and read our great editorial content. SolarPowerWorldOnline.com. See you back here next month.